You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. We've been sort of talking about this series. Uh, it's the series core, and we're going through it, and this is our, this is our final day of it. And I've enjoyed this so much because I think it's important to remember the core of who we are. And again, those of you who come tonight, you're coming because you've bought into this, like you're part of this. You believe in the core of who we are, and you want to make a difference in this community, through this church. And so we've been talking about uh, these two jars that we've got up here. And this first jar represents everybody at the the beginning of a year starts off with pretty good intentions for the most part, right? Most people at the beginning of a year believe they're going to accomplish some things, they're going to do some things. And so this jar represents all those who have great intentions, Uh, It also represents all the people who will be here tonight. We're expecting this room to be packed up. All the people who will be in the room expecting to do great things for the kingdom at the beginning of the year. And so this jar of sunflower seeds, and I I use sunflower seeds because I'm a farmer. This jar of sunflower seeds represents all those people with great intentions. Now this jar over here represents the people at the end of the year who will look back over the year and say, I did what I set out to do. You'll notice this jar is empty. It's not empty because no one will make it. It's empty because we don't know yet. We don't know yet who's going to arrive at the end of the year with, with, and be able to look back and say, man, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. Who's going to arrive at the end of the year and be able to say to God and, and other people, man, I did what I said I was going to do. I served God through the local church. And so what we know is to get from this jar over here to this jar can be difficult, right? It can be in any area of your life. To move from intentions to living intentionally can be a difficult transition, especially when it comes to life in the local church. And so what we said is, and don't put these on the screen yet, you need three things to get from this jar to this jar. Can anyone tell me what the first thing you need is? A plan. Good job, guys, a plan. Everyone say it with me. A plan. Great. Survey says, second thing you need. Second thing you need is what? What's the second thing you need to get from this jar to this jar? Actions. Good job. You must have some sort of actions. A plan alone is nothing if it's not accompanied with action. And the third thing you must have to move from good intentions to an intentional life is what? Accountability. Accountability. Man, you guys are so much smarter than the people who come here at 830. Oh, this one's on TV. Oh, I'm kidding. I kid. Good job, though. Like, that's amazing. Uh, you you got to have a plan. Like I should have had a moment ago. You got to have a plan. You got to have an action and you got to have accountability. Otherwise, you will always have good intentions, but you will never actually live your life intentionally. And so we said the first area that we're going to look at is, is our core vision. And so to live out this intentional life, we have a core vision in this place. Can anyone tell me what our core vision is at Grace Church? Is, is that what I sound like to y'all? If so, I don't know why you keep coming here. Everybody needs Jesus and everybody's still our responsibility. Y'all say it with me. Everyone needs Jesus and everyone is our responsibility. Good job. I like the enthusiasm. All right, thank you. And then we also have core values. And our core values are knowing, growing, giving, serving, and praising, okay? I'm not going to make you all say that because I just feel like that may be a little advanced. But we're gonna, that's for the 1130. We're getting there. And so 
But this is sort of what we're talking about, and we're talking about living an intentional life specifically in those areas. We talked about the core vision. We talked about praising in week one. Last week, we talked about uh, knowing and growing and how to live intentionally in that area. And today, we're going to talk about everyone's favorite topic, giving and serving. I already saw some arms cross. <laughs> it is amazing. I've always, it's like in the first service, I actually took my glasses off so I didn't have to see their faces when I talked about giving. Uh, but it is amazing. You can talk to the church about anything in the world, man. You can talk about any subject. Everything's all good until you start talking about money. And then there is something different that happens in the room. And I used to, man, I used to apologize. Yeah, I used to. And if y'all been here for any amount of time, you know I don't talk about this stuff very often. Uh, but used to when I would talk about it, I'd spend like the first 15 minutes of the message apologizing and then the next five making some sort of point. But I'm not doing that anymore uh, because I believe this is biblical. I believe it's true. And I believe this will set you free. Uh, and I, I've experienced this in my life, and so have so many other people. And so giving, our value around giving says, we value generosity. Therefore, we practice joyfully sharing our time, our talents, our resources for the purpose of loving God through his local church. Serving, it says, we value loving God through serving God's people. We believe Christ came to serve. Therefore, as those who wear his name, we practice living as servants, both inside and outside of the local church. Okay, so there's a reason our core values are in the order that they're in. I had a conversation with one of my, one of my best friends here on, on um, I guess it was Monday, and he called me and he said, hey, man, I'm going through the Sherpa, and, except for he called it something else, but we all know it's a Sherpa. He said, I'm going through the Sherpa, and, like, this all feels so inwardly focused, like all this knowing and growing stuff, it just feels really, like, inward focused. But the Bible says, go and make disciples, like, when do we get to the going part? And I said, you turn the page. Because it's the giving and the serving that we move out into the world. It's, it's the giving and the serving that allow us to transform the world. Knowing and growing happen for the purpose of giving and serving so that more and more people end up praising. And so if you're in this place and you're knowing and you're growing, but you're not becoming equipped to give and serve, then something isn't clicking yet. Because what we do in here, we call this a gathering, and we're gathered together so that we can be equipped, so that we can be sent out into the world. And if the gathering isn't equipping people for sending, then we're doing something wrong in the gathering. The whole purpose of knowing and growing isn't so that we can sit in circles and all talk about how much we know. The purpose is so that we might be used by God to change the world. And that happens as we give and as we serve. So we're going to break down these two values, and we're going to talk first about giving. Giving. We value generosity. Therefore, we practice joyfully giving our time, our talents, and resources for the purpose of loving God through his local church. Man, this is one where if you're going to get from this jar, a lot of people start the year with good intentions. But if you're going to get from this jar to this jar, you got to have a plan. you got to have actions, and you got to have accountability. And, and, and I want to say this, I don't believe that this list of things, uh, generosity in your time, your talents, and your resources, I don't think it's a buffet. I don't think this is one where you get to choose. I think biblically we see we are accountable in all three of these. What I think a lot of, a lot of us would like to do is say, okay, I'd like a little time. Um, talent, I got that. Um, pass on the whole resources thing. It's like we're in, in Frankie's and we're like, I'd like the mashed potatoes and the fried cod, but not the green beans. 
Like, we're accountable for all three of these things. We're accountable for being generous with our time, our talent, and our resources. And people say, and I had this conversation all the time, and guys, I don't want to offend anyone here, but I only know how to be direct. Like, I don't, you don't have time for me to dance around these things. I talk to people, and they say, well, I don't give, but I do serve. And I'm like, that's fantastic, and we need that, and we're going to talk about that. But the ladies at Dorcas House aren't getting what they need because of our service. They're getting what I need because we give. They're, they're getting their needs met because the people in this church are generous. Entergy loves that you serve, but they also love that we give because that's how we keep lights on. That's how we pay bills. That's how we do the things in the world we need to do. God operates through the means and the methods of the world. And the means and the methods of this world are in some sense money. And listen, I'm only talking to the people in the room who believe that they are called to be part of the local church. I'm only talking to those people in the room who are committed to knowing and growing. I'm only talking to the people in the room who are going to show up here at 5 o'clock time. Because if that's not you, then just sit back and relax and laugh at the rest of us because you're not accountable. But the rest of us are. We are called to be givers. Why? Why, why do we give to the local church? Why do we give through the local? Why, why not just give to those other organizations and not give anything to the church? And if you've never asked that question, I think it's a good question to ask. And so I'm going to give you guys some biblical principles on this. Uh, Matthew 6, 19. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This, this is so incredibly practical, Okay. This passage, you don't have to have a seminary degree to understand this. It says two things, and they're both gorgeous, and they're both uh, have the potential to set you free. The first one is don't store up your stuff where it's all going to rust one day, where it can be stolen. If the sum of everything you have can be taken away, if it can be taken away by the government, if it can be taken away by taxes, if it can be taken away by a job change, if the sum of everything you have will turn to dust one day, then you will leave the world nothing but dust. Guys, listen, I hunt and I fish, and so I have uh, stuff to hunt and stuff to fish. You know, I have guns and fishing poles and whatever. But, like, if that's the only legacy I leave the world, then everything I have will one day be nothing. It's also about learning to trust God with your resources. And th this is why, and guys, I also want to say this. If you don't trust this local church with your resources, go give somewhere else. It does not make me any difference. Find a church you do trust. Uh, we're going to do a meeting, and I think it's in February. We're going to go through the entire budget. Anyone who wants to come be in this space, you are welcome to. We did this last year, and seven of you were here, so I know it's a hot topic <laughs> for everybody. Really, we advertised it for like three months, and then seven people showed up, and then you still have people going, well, I don't know where the money's from. I'm like, oh, come on, man. But like, if, if you don't trust this local church, if you, if you don't trust this one, find one you do. But quit making excuses. Because this is the biblical mandate that we would trust God with our resources. The second part of that passage that I think is so gorgeous is where your treasure is. That's where your heart will be. Let me I'll ask you all a question. So my son, Caden, is leaving for the guard on, on Tuesday. He's leaving for the air guard. And he'll be gone for eight months. He will be in uh, San Antonio for like three months, and then he'll be in Houston for three months. So he'll be in Texas, or five months in Houston, three months in San Antonio. He'll be in Texas for eight months. Where do you think my wife's heart will be for the next eight months? Is that fair to say? 
Her firstborn child will be in Texas. Where will her heart be? Her heart will be in Texas. Now, her heart's not in Texas today because she's a good God-fearing woman and she loves Arkansas. So her, her heart's not in Texas yet. But when her son is in Texas, her heart will be in Texas. Why? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. It doesn't say treasure follows your heart. It says your heart follows your treasure. So if you desire to have your heart in a local church, place some percent of your treasure in the local church. I mean, again, this is, this is so incredibly biblical, and it makes so much sense. And I always say this, guys. When we talk about giving, and by the way, if you've been here for 10 years, you've probably heard me talk about this nine times. But there's freedom in this. The people I know who are the most generous with their finances are the people who are controlled by their finances the least. It's true. I hear people all the time say, man, you know, I, I can't give, blah, 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 for this reason or that reason. The truth is most people can't give because they live irresponsible, un, undisciplined lives around their money with no focus. But if you have focus for your finances, if you live by a budget, uh, if, if, you, if you understand that it's about more than just you, then everybody is capable of doing something, and it takes practice. We have to practice this. My wife and I practice becoming generous because none of us were born generous. How many of you had a generous baby the day it was born? <laughs> Not one. All they do is suck the air out of the world, right? <laughs> me, 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 me. No, I ain't a generous baby. Go back there and work with the kids for a minute, and you find which one is generous. But how winsome are generous adults? When you're around someone who's generous, someone who gives, someone who shares, don't you enjoy being around that person or would you rather hang out with people who still act like babies? I'd rather be around people who are generous. And so a church that is generous in the world is magnetic in the world. And the only way we are able to be generous in the world is if you were generous. We don't have a money printing machine back there. If we did, I'd have glasses that fit. But <laughs> We don't. I mean, like, we are able to be generous because our people are generous. And it unites us. Acts 2.44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Why do we give to the local church? Because it unites us. And again, I know whether you're a dollar or a th there are people in this building who can give far more than my family can, but we're willing to do our part for unity because we believe it matters. And listen, when we go and give to some organization, it's not Tommy Jones giving, it's Grace Church giving. It's the body of Christ, and there is power when there's unity in the body. Guys, I haven't made a difference in this world this year. We have made a difference in this world this year. Together, we have done some amazing things. Together, we have fought against sex trafficking with our money. Together, we have fought against homelessness with our money. We have fought against addiction with our money. We have fought for the unborn child with our money. We have fought for the woman who made a choice that we didn't like with our money. We have fought for people. We have fought for people. We have fought for God by fighting for people. It's what we've done. Not me. We and when we write a check and we give to the organization, it is the body of Christ. Imagine, imagine Nehemiah House. That guy, when I said, hey, we're going to give you whatever, $5,000. That wasn't me. You know what he felt? Wow, there's 800 people standing behind my organization. Isn't that a powerful feeling? We do these things when we stand together and we unite. And so you've all got your Sherpa. I hope. If not, there's more of them out there. There's a section in here about giving. 
And what I want you to do is like honestly get in front of God and have a conversation with him. And the first conversation you need to have is, why does it bother me when the pastor talks about giving? Why does it make me uncomfortable? Why do I go from, hey, how you doing, to this? Like, why? Well, what is it about it? Because, listen, if you believe that we are up here for your money, then you are grossly underestimating what we want from you. We want far more than your money. We want your heart. Because I believe that's what God wants from you. And I don't get a commission based on, I will make the same whether one of y'all give or all of y'all give. I don't want your money. Uh, what I want is freedom for people. And I think I've learned, and many of you have learned, the only way to become free from the power of money is to become free with the money you have. And so many of you know this. And many of you will come to the gathering tonight, and many people will give for their first time. And that excites me so much. Matter of fact, my daughter, who's nine, she's going to bring a gift tonight. And I encourage your children to, to bring a gift tonight. But if you think I'm telling you to do that because I want to steal your kid's tooth fairy money, then you need to go to another church. <laughs> really, but you got to go somewhere where you trust what they're doing. And if this isn't it, then God bless you on your journey. This next one is serving. Serving. Gosh, this is, and guys, this is one where so many of you excel. The value of serving here says, we value loving God through serving God's people. We believe Christ came to serve. Therefore, as those who wear his name, we practice living as servants both inside and outside the local church. Mark 10, 42, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are recorded as rulers and Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave to all. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If what's happening in this room isn't equipping you to serve, then something is not happening in this room that should be. We are raising up servants, not consumers. Consumers come each week and it's me, me, give me, give me. Servants come each week and they're equipped and they're empowered to go out in the world and to lay their lives down for the world. And the world doesn't need more church people. It needs servants of Christ. This is who we are. You must decide of your own free will that it is your responsibility to serve God through the local church. And I can't convince you. That's, that's only the Holy Spirit. I don't have that power or authority. But we need servants. Can you imagine if you walked into this place and no one greeted you at the door? I mean, how you just walked in quietly? Matter of fact, some of you may have walked in today and no one said hi to you. So here's what I want you to do real quick. Say hi to the person next to you. Go ahead, everyone, real quick. Hi. Hi. No. See, some of y'all aren't doing it. This side, y'all aren't doing it. So y'all do it again. Say hi to each other. Okay. Now, not one of you better go to the cafe today and say, nobody spoke to me at that church. <laughs> someone just said hi to you. But what you just experienced was the power of someone who believes they can serve in some way. You said hi to somebody. How hard was that? I mean, I would say 90% of you excelled. Some of you didn't, but like 90% of you excelled in the greeting. It's possible to serve God with exactly the skill set you currently have. I mean, can you imagine if we didn't have servants back there in the kids area? It'd be like Lord of the Flies. One kid would just dominate, you know, <laughs> ah, just running them by the end of the service. They'd have spears and headmen. Just, it'd be crazy. I mean, you can't imagine. It'd be horrible, right? I mean, we have to have servants in this place. We, I mean, can you all imagine if, if I was the sole person singing in this building each week? If we didn't have... No, I can. I have the ability. I just... 
I choose to let other people participate. <laughs> You're worthy of it all. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, so you can imagine what that would be like, right? I mean, we always threaten to have a, a no-serve Sunday where people just walk in and there's no volunteers doing anything. I mean, that means no chairs out. Uh, that mean, I mean, can you, uh, oh, can you imagine the chaos of your seat not being where it's supposed to be? Oh, what would happen? But like, whose responsibility is it to serve inside this place? Are you, are you, are you an owner here or just passing through? Is this your home or is this a Marriott? Like, I mean, if, if this is your home, then host, serve. Find the, the students on Wednesday night, we built them a building. We built it, was that 2015, I guess, 2017, we built the student wing, I think. God laughed when we built that. It's too small. It's too small. They, they, now, now they have to divide junior high and high school, and junior high meets in here and high school meets in there because there's 135 teenagers here on Wednesday nights. Yeah. <laughs> And can you imagine the chaos if it was Stuart alone with 130 teenagers? Can you imagine that? I mean, we got to have folks who are here helping. And, and I, I want to read you all something, guys. This verse right here, because serving inside this building matters, and it matters significantly, but we can't just serve in here. This is, the, this is the verse that God has, like, tattooed on my heart for this year. Matthew 5, 45, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Oh, I love that so much. Let me tell you what that passage means to me. What we do in here should make the world better out there, even for people who don't know Jesus. I mean, did you realize the importance of living that out? What we do in here, the depth in here, the knowing and the growing in here, the giving and the serving in here should make the world better out there, whether they know Jesus or not. So, so it should make the roads cleaner. It should make the schools safer. It should make the Dollar Generals less Dollar Generally. Like, it should make things better out there. When we serve, give, know, and grow in here, the world out there should get better. I mean, that, that's what should be happening. And if that's not happening, then we're not making any difference in this community. It's our job to make their world better. And let me tell you why. Because one day, those who don't know Jesus will wonder where that rain is coming from. They'll, man, my crops are growing. Where's the rain coming from? One day they'll wonder, why is the sun shining on, on this? And then they'll go, it's those crazy Jesus people. <laughs> it's those crazy people who are committed to knowing and growing and giving and serving, praising. It's those people who walk around saying, everyone needs Jesus and everyone's my responsibility. It's those people. And when they realize that their world is getting better out there because our world is growing deeper in here, then they will come to know Jesus and they will praise him. It's our job to make their world better. Y'all you know, we give financial assistance to people all the time. Do you know what? I never have asked anyone who needed help for a car note. Tell me your foundational belief in Jesus the Christ. You know why we don't do that? Because God causes the sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous. We help people who don't believe what we believe so that one day they might believe what we believe. We have an agenda, make no mistake, but we help them because we love people. And so are you committed to this? Are you committed to knowing and growing and giving and serving? Listen, we have a friend of mine 
who's been with us for a while, and I'm going to brag on her for a second. We're so committed to missions in this. By, by the way, last year we invested $214,000 in missions last year, and that's phenomenal. Good job. Good job. And this year we're going to do more. Um, I, God has not yet spoken an arbitrary number to me, and I'm scared, but at some point he's going to, and we're going to do more this year than we've ever done before. But we're also hiring someone, uh, we've hired someone to be full-time over missions. And this friend of mine has gone to our church for a long time, and she has served in a million wonderful ways. Uh, she, she has done incredible things. Her family has given financially when giving was financially difficult. Her family has served when serving was difficult. She has gone places that so many of us wouldn't go, and she has loved people that so many of us have yet to have the ability to love, and because of that, lives have forever changed. There are females in this room, there are males in this room whose lives are forever changed because of the work of my friends. So I want to introduce you guys to our mission pastor, Laura Aaron. Stand up for me, my friend. Yeah, it's about time. Now, she feisty, but she good, I'm telelling you. She's solid. Uh, she, she, Laura and her family have fought so hard for the people who've been left behind. And, and we've placed our resources as a church behind so many of the things she's done, whether it's deeper still, helping women who've had abortions to experience healing and love and forgiveness, uh, fighting, fighting for women and single moms, fighting for equality in this community. We've put our money behind her. But she shouldn't be the only person doing this. This is all of our job. What are you committed to? Are you, are you, are you growing in your knowledge of God? Are you growing in the fact that you know other people in this room? If those things aren't compelling you to give and to serve, then something's missing. Tonight, I invite you to show up if you're committed. I invite you to bring a sacrifice if you're committed. I invite you to share with us in the Lord's Supper if you're committed. I invite you to worship God like you never have before if you are committed. If you're willing for one year to fight for this community through this place, then show up tonight. One body, united, believing everyone needs Jesus. One body, united, around knowing, growing, giving, and serving. One body that can change the world. Show up tonight. Let's see what God can do with one person who's willing to make a difference. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.